0: Hey, welcome to uh, to Rockbridge. I, my name is Matt, if I haven't had a chance to say hello to you lately. Thank you so much for joining us in any of our six physical locations. Thank you so much for joining us in Espanol. And also, thank you so much if you're watching us online. I wanna ask you to do something, those of you who are watching online, there's a, there's a great number of you, and so welcome uh, as you're engaging with us that way. If you are not from the Cleveland area, the Hickson area, the Ringgold, Dalton, Calhoun, Chatsworth area, if you're from somewhere outside of... Of our physical kind of scope, would you just throw in the chat where you're from? We'd love to shout out. We'd love to say hello to you. So uh, everybody's here always not by accident. God's got something for you this weekend. I ask you to lean in and believe it. We've been praying for you, and we are delighted that you're here. You're here for part two of a series called How To, and, you know, we started saying, like, what if we just had to say to someone, hey, how do you live as a Christ follower? And we just sort of wrestled with that, and we got something last week about our mindset. It was so powerful, taught a little acronym called HEAR about how to open God's Word and allow God's Word to begin to affect your mindset. So today, we're going to talk about something that I, that I think you bump into probably every day in some form or fashion, or you, you have a need for it, and some of you are right there right now, which is it's this, how to be strong. How to be strong. And, and, and here's what we can know. You don't have to be a Christian to believe this. Everybody wants to be strong. And, and now we've got different definitions of what it means to be strong or what we think it need, means when we say, hey, God, I need strength or I need help. But sooner or later, we're all going to find ourselves in situations when we need to be strong, whether it's uh, you're facing adversity like an illness, like a, a, a challenge at work, when you've got some financial difficulties, when, you know, maybe everybody in your family is just kind of going in the wrong direction and you're the one and you would say something like this to yourself, I need to be strong for my family. And and so this idea of, and, and most of us have probably prayed, God, give me strength. Right, you've just said that. You've said it in passing. You've said it before you walked into the big meeting. You've said it before the basketball game that you were competing in. You've prayed it over your kids before they go like to school. I mean, we've just all said, "Hey, God, I I, I need to be strong." It's like a universal human need, and and we all find ourselves. Many of you are in those situations right now. And let me just say to you. Our church is here to pray for you. So whether it's in the chat experience online or using the Next Step card or finding one of our campus venue pastors after a service at our six locations, coming to a first Wednesday service, it would be absolutely our honor to pray for you if you're in a situation when you need to be strong. So we're going to dive into the Scriptures, the Word of God, and we're going to be in this an awesome, incredible story in the book of Acts, the book of Acts. Uh, it's going to be in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to see basically a terrorist become a Christ follower, and we're going to look at it through the lens of how God strengthens us to follow him, to live in his will, how God strengthens us in life. So I'm going to start at the end of chapter 9 and kind of the goal verse. This is kind of where we're headed. It says Saul grew stronger, and and Saul was someone who was persecuting the church, but he became a Christian. We'll look at that story in just a minute. But it said he grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving, demonstrating that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah and the Savior of the world and the Son. of God. So so Saul is strong. He's confounding his enemies, those who are opposing him, and he's proclaiming what we call the gospel or the true identity of Jesus Christ. And our goal here is, okay, God, how do we get strong? And God, I want to be strong. Now, like a lot of things, there will be something this weekend in what we talk about that you and I are going to have to unlearn Part of being a disciple of Jesus, disciple means student, we learn from Jesus how to be strong. We learn from Jesus how to be a good husband. We learn from Jesus how to manage and handle the finances, the stewardship that he's given us, et cetera, et cetera. So that often means I have to unlearn how I thought I was supposed to be a dad or a husband. I have to unlearn how I thought I was supposed to handle money and what money really means. I have to unlearn what I think it means to grow stronger. So we're gonna go back to the beginning of chapter nine and we'll get a little backstory of what's going on here. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Now we just saw him proving that Jesus is the Lord and but in the beginning of the chapter he's condemning, he's persecuting, he wants to kill those who are students of Jesus. He goes to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belong to the way, a, a, a name for Christians, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he's a terrorist to the church. He's a terrorist to Christians. Imagine you walked out of here uh, this weekend and on your way, you ran into a guy like Saul. He would want to put you in jail. He would want to arrest you or he would want to see you killed. And because he had gotten this letter from the high priest, he had the authority back then to do so. Now, we don't have to worry about that as much in the United States, but that's what it was like to live in this area where Saul was wrecking havoc. Now, here's what we need to know about Saul, and you can go read this in Philippians 3. Saul had the education. Saul had the pedigree. Saul had positional power in the hierarchical system of the world in which he lived in. He was well thought of. So you and I, if we we could zoom back in time and we got a portrait of Saul, we would say he is strong right? Because strength to us is position, power, income level. Strength to us is authority. Strength to us is status. Strength to us might be physical strength. You know, the guy can bench press this or squat that. All of those things we think of when we think of strong. And and Paul or Saul, we, we would say, man, that's a strong guy. Like people, like mamas would have said, hey, I want my little boy to grow up and be strong like Paul or strong like Saul. So he's strong culturally, societally, and I think most of us think, well, that's what I need. God, if I had more money, I'd be stronger. More people like me, I'd be stronger. If I got this job, I'd have power, I'd have strength, right? That's what we think of. And then something crazy happens to Saul. As he was traveling, was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So the words of Jesus. Come to Saul. Saul responds, who are you, Lord? That's the first statement. He's B.C., he's not Christ's follower yet. He asks this question, who are you, Lord? Now, in verse 22, he knows who Jesus is, and he's proving who Jesus is, the only Son of God, the Savior of the world, the way, the truth, and the life, right? But here, he's like, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men... Who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, the word, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. Saul is now weak in a worldly sense. Everything Saul stood for has been disproven. He realizes in one flash, he's on the wrong side of history. He realizes his position, his pedigree, his stance about faith, and Jesus is wrong. And physically, he can't do anything for himself. He has to be led by the hand to Damascus. Now, how did he get from there to verse 22? We got to do some work, don't we? But here's, what it, here's the insight it proves or shows. There's a strength we want, and then there's a strength we need. And when we get confused by God is we say, God, give me the strength. And most of us, it's the strength we want, but God operates in what we need. Another way to say this, there's a strength you want God to give you, and there's a strength God actually has for you. And if we don't understand how God strengthens us, we'll get confused and we'll be tempted to to do things on our own. And we'll be tempted to pursue worldly sources of strength and worldly sources of power. And here's the truth we need to embrace, and this is what we got to unlearn, especially men, because we got a lot of confusion about manhood. We are never told in Scripture to be strong in and of ourselves. You'll, you, you can't find it. I'm going to give you some examples in just a minute. We're never told, go just go be strong. We're never told you can do it. We're never told those things. So the strength that God wants to give and that we have to how to to learn how to access that strength, the strength he wants to give is more like when you stood at the edge of the pool and you couldn't swim and your mom or dad said, trust me and jump. And you mustered up the faith and the courage and you believed your mom or dad were good and strong and so you jumped into their strength and you rested in them and they said, you did it, you did it, but you didn't really do anything but trust, right? That, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. The, the strength we're talking about is the strength that would be like this. Hey, I want you to walk down that dark alley all by yourself that's very, very dangerous and here's a Navy SEAL team platoon to go with you. And you could walk down that alley and nobody would touch you and you'd not a hair on your head would be harmed and you could say, I did it, but it wasn't really you, right? The strength we're talking about is sort of like Batman versus uh, Spider-Man, okay? The world is sort of operating in Batman strength. You know, Batman's strong because of his gadgets and his gear, right? He puts stuff on him that makes him cool and, 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 and all this kind of stuff, right? But he's vulnerable when that stuff's gone right now spider-man became strong because what a spider bit him and that spider's dna infused with him and so it was from the outside but it works inside to give spider-man his strength and the strength we're going to talk about is not worldly strength hey put on your suit, get stronger in your body. Here's, you need some, something to attach to yourself like power, like money, like approval. You know, it's not that kind of strength. It's God wants to do something in you, and what he puts in you is something of himself. Now, let me show you in Scripture. It says, be strengthened by God. This is the spiritual warfare passage, Ephesians 6. Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength, by yours, no, by his. Spider-Man, right? That's what he's talking about. All right, we move, we move on. Colossians 1:29. I labor for this. Paul's got an energy. Paul's got a goal. Paul's got an ambition. I labor for this, striving with whose strength? His strength that works powerfully in me. Spider-Man strength. And then finally, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to My gospel, so the strength comes from the gospel about Jesus and the proclamation about Jesus. And gospel and proclamation are very close here. So it's something Jesus has done, died for us, rose for us, puts his spirit within us. It's something Jesus has done that we cannot do on ourselves. None of us can save ourselves. Jesus has to do it. None of us are good enough. We have to have Jesus's righteousness and goodness come into us and be credited to our account, right? So this gospel becomes the way, the means that God strengthens us. So that's the difference. Now, let's talk about let's go back to our friend Saul and see how he goes from worldly weakness to this strength that we read about in 922. So Saul was unable to see, and for three days he did not eat or drink. So he becomes what? Even weaker. And we'll skip some verses, I'll come back to them. Here we go, we're gonna jump down to verse 17. So Ananias, who's someone God sent to encourage and take care of Saul, went and entered the house and he placed his hands upon him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight, and then a key phrase, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Spider-Man-ish, right? Be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with God himself right? At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength." Now, this word for strength in the Greek is different than the word for strength in verse 22. This word for strength is the strength that we think about biologically. It's the strength we think about, man, uh, of survival. It's the strength we need just to keep our bodies operating. And that's certainly an important part of strength. That's why God says to be, it's a Sabbath. That's why God says to take care of, of our bodies and to take care of ourselves. It's a stewardship. But this is not the strength We're after most people want to end this quest for strength right here. God, I just want to be strong. I want to have energy and we're thinking about energy to survive. We're thinking about energy to to get through it. We're strength. How you doing? Well, I'm surviving. I'm praise the Lord. No, no, no. He is way bigger than that. It's way more than that. And that's why in Luke's gospel, he changes the word for strength in verse 22. And it's a word he uses in the two books of the Bible that he wrote 86 times. And it has nothing to do with what you and I can do. It has everything to do with what he can do in us and then through us. All right, so let's keep navigating forward. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. Now, I, I, well, I got to stop and marvel. In verse 5, the first time we hear Saul speak, he says, who are you, Lord? Twenty-some-odd verses later, A.D. Saul, Saul after Jesus, Saul after he becomes a Christ follower, the first thing that gets quoted for Saul speaking is not who, is, who are you, Jesus, it's he is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the one I need to save me. He, he's God himself. He, he, he's God in the flesh. So there's a look at that. He goes from questioning to now proclaiming Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't the man, this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc? And those who called on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners of the chief priests, they're like... How do we explain what happened to Saul? And, and isn't it awesome that, that if you're a Christ follower, if you're, you have a story. You have you before who is the Lord and you have who, you after he's the son of God. And that's all, that's, that's, so that's why they're, they're looking at this and like, who, what happened to this guy? What happened to him? And then we almost like we get an explanation. Here's the verse we started this, this message with this weekend. But Saul grew stronger, different word. This is not physical strength. This is not the strength you get from calories or reps in the gym. This is the strength you get from God to do God's will and be who God created and died for you to be. It's different. So Saul grew stronger, and he kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah, which was Saul's mission, to be a missionary, to live sent, as we say in Rockbridge language. That's really our commission as well, right, to share with others who Jesus is, what he's done for us. All of us have a story. All of us have a story if we've truly encountered the Son of God, right? And so here's the question. What happened to Saul? How did he go from worldly strength to this different kind of strength? How did he go from questioning who God is and was and what Jesus meant in in redemptive history to proclaiming, teaching, declaring, and then writing 13 books that we have as part of our Bibles? Well, there's a real simple verse that's really profound, that I think encapsulates what happened to Saul. First John 5, 5 says, who, who is it that overcomes the world? Now, let's, let's stop for a second. Except the one who believes what Paul's been talking about. Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And here, here's what I know, okay? We all know this. The world or your world can be hard. The world or your world, you go through it and you have the need to be strong. You have the need to be an overcomer. And and, and the scriptures tell us that that comes from believing that Jesus is the son of God. Exactly what happened to Paul over the course of that fateful day on the Damascus Road. And Paul becomes, and I'm gonna make up a word, but it's theologically accurate and it portrays what this is talking about. Paul doesn't become, you know, physically strong. Paul doesn't become strong because suddenly, you know, the lottery goes into his bank account. Saul doesn't become strong because he's a made man in the eyes of the Roman power structure or in the eyes of the Roman faith or the Roman hierarchy or the Roman political system. Paul becomes what we're going to call gospel strong, gospel strong, strong in the Lord, strong because the Lord is in us. And then we get some clues that we patch together to give a theological portrait of what it means to be gospel strong. So, he who overcomes the world is the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God, which is what Paul goes from questioning and trying to destroy to Paul becomes a proclaimer and a missionary of it. And so, 1 Corinthians gives us another hint. No one can say what Saul said, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Again, the God comes in us, the God that reveals himself to us. So nobody can say Jesus is Lord in a supernatural, transforming way except by the Holy Spirit. So now we get some handlebars. Strength that we all want, that we all have need of, is from or is by the Spirit of God. It's not from, hear me, the Spirit of the world. So it's not from a spirit of mammon or materialism. It's not because we're gonna know enough scientifically or otherwise. It's not not from the spirit of the political realm. It's not from the spirit of of, of approval. It's not from popular opinion or vote. It's the spirit of God. It's supernatural, not of us. That's why I say that it's not a perfect metaphor, but it works a little bit. It's Spider-Man-like, okay? So so we see that right here, and then we begin to see in Scripture this portrayal of how the Spirit of God works in people. So we go to Ephesians 6, which says, Take the helmet of salvation, the gospel, and the sword of the Spirit. And what is the sword of the Spirit but the Word of God? So pray at all times in the spirit, which would be to pray the word of God that the Holy Spirit inspired. With every prayer and request, stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all saints. Stay alert and persevere. Be strong. Why? Because you have the helmet of salvation. You're, you've been saved. You have the gospel. You have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so you're in the spirit as you pray the word of God. Second Timothy says that all scripture, God's word is God breathed. The breath of God is parallel to the Holy Spirit, and this Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that the servant of God has the strength, the power, the ability to do what God has called them to do. That's the strength that we see happening from Paul, and it's coming through the Word of God that God has given to him. Let's get even even, even deeper. There's two books of the Bible that are kind of like sisters or siblings, Colossians and Ephesians, all right? So in Colossians, we have this phrase, let the word of Christ dwell, be at home in you richly. And then it describes it in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So he describes the word of Christ dwelling in you richly, teaching, singing, rejoicing, praising God. Then we go to Ephesians, and he says almost the same thing, except he changes a little prepositional phrase. says, be filled by the Spirit. And then what are you going to do? You're going to speak in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You're going to sing and make music to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything that God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what has he done? Being filled by the Spirit. And having the word of Christ dwell richly, be at home, be operating in you, focusing you. These are parallels in Scripture. So what can we say now? That strength comes from the Spirit, and the Spirit then uses the Word of God, which He has given us that is useful to equip us to be who God made us to be, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy 3. The Spirit uses the Word of God to stir up our faith. And faith is what? The little kid at the edge of the pool when mom and dad are trust me, I'll catch you, I'll catch you. Faith is saying, okay, they'll catch me. Faith is saying, okay, God, you've got me. Faith is saying, okay, God, you're going to take care of me. Faith is saying, okay, God, your will is going to be done in my life as I trust in you. And how do we get faith? Romans says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. There it is again, the word of Christ filled with the spirit, the strength of God. And then Ephesians says, so now in every situation, take up what? The shield of faith. The shield of faith, not the shield of money, not the shield of popularity. Not the shield of power in a worldly sense, but the shield of faith. And what can we do with that shield of faith with which you can extinguish, put out, mute the effectiveness All the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let's rest in that for just a second. All means all. All those flaming arrows you and I can extinguish. And so now we get a portrayal of gospel strong. That gospel strong is confident belief in Jesus as the son of God confident belief that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, a lot, of, and these are kind of progressive in nature, so we just can't stop at one. I'm going to give you that four, okay? But a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I, I'm a Christi- I'm Christmas and Easter, check. But they're not walking in the strength of the Lord. They're stressed, they're worried, they're afraid, or they're worldly. That the Son of God, what the Son of God needs to do for them is give them more money or more power. So but you gotta have confident belief in Jesus the Son of God. So let's go to step two. Confidence in God's word is not only true, but also trustworthy. Now here's what I mean. I'm at the edge of the pool again. It's true dad is strong enough to catch me. It's true dad's good and he's not gonna let anything happen to his little, little boy. It's true I'll be okay, but I'm not gonna jump because I just don't think it's trustworthy. So I can sit here all day long and we can say, yes, the Bible is God's word. We can say, yes, I believe in Jesus as the son of God. But there's a difference in believing in Jesus as the son of God and just believing Jesus that when he says, jump, I'll catch you and we're willing to jump. So it's belief in God's word, not only as is it true, but it's trustworthy enough to move in its direction or do what it says. Third, third confident action based on God's Word. So it's true, yes, it's trustworthy enough, so I'm going to jump, okay? And we like to call that at Rockbridge, taking a step. We believe Jesus calls us to follow and what do followers do? do? They step in the direction of the Son of God. And then finally, now I have confident expectation that God's purpose for me, through me, in this world, in my world, will prevail. Because he's sovereign, he's gracious, and he's good. Gospel strong. Now look at what happens to Paul. Let me stop. See, a lot of us think, man, I became a Christian and everything in my life got better. Doesn't happen to Paul. After many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. God, what are you doing? No. See, some of us want to be strong circumstantially, right? Hey, everything's good in my life. Man, God, that means God is good. God doesn't want your strength to come from circumstances. That's Batman. That suit can be taken off. Those circumstances can change just like that. You know it, I know it. You've been there, I've been there. So they conspired to kill him, but Saul learned of the plot. So they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. But the disciples took him by night, lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. Why do they want to kill him? Because he's gone from persecuting and questioning the Son of God to proclaiming the Son of God. But that's his purpose. So he has strength for that purpose. What happens next? When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. So all the people that should be encouragers are like, oh, I don't want anything to do with him. He might kill me. So Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. And now, okay, so they bring Saul in. He was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He's strong. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. And, and you're like, when's this guy going to get a break? Look at me. He never gets a break for the rest of his life. And he dies for proclaiming Jesus. Is that a tragedy? It's a triumph because he's gospel strong. Story continues. When the brothers found out they take him to Caesarea, and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by, where does strength come from? The Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit work through the word of God? And it increased in numbers. When it says the church was strengthened, it does not mean that they suddenly took over the Roman political system. It's what many Christians in America are hoping for. It does not mean that suddenly there was a militant army guarding every entrance to every church. It does not mean that. It means they were gospel strong. And I want to say this over every single person listening, six locations online. You share this with your friends. Living gospel strong is the right and the privilege of every single child of God. You need to believe it. You need to receive it. And let's commit to step and walk in it. Don't aim for a lesser strength. Quit trying to be Batman dressed in the way the world portrays strength. Open ourselves up for his strength. So let me be as practical as I can. So Matt, how do I get gospel strong? And it's very practical, but you got to do it daily, situationally, got to do it all the time. So I'm going to use this guy named Ananias who went in and prayed over Paul and anointed Paul and the scales fell off his eyes. So here's the secret about Ananias. He didn't want to go in and pray over Paul. Would you? Hey, Matt, I need you to go pray over this guy. He used to be a member of ISIS. Hey, give me that Navy SEAL team, right? And then I'll go, right? So, so that's kind of what happens to Ananias. Look, Lord... Ananias answered, I've heard from many people about this man and how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Lord, I don't have the strength to do it. Lord, he could kill me. Now, what's he thinking of? He's thinking of survival strength. But the Lord said to him, go. For this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, to the kings and the Israelites. I will show him how much, how much he'll suffer for my name. So what does Ananias do? He went and he entered the house. He placed his hands upon him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road was traveling, and he sent me so that you may regain your sight and you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. You may be strengthened with God. So what does Ananias do? He comes up to the edge of the pool and Father God is saying, jump, go see that man, that dangerous man, that terrorist, but he's changed. He's got me now. And Ananias says, God, I don't know, I don't know, but Ananias jumps and trusts the Father. And the rest, as they say, is history. You and I are here today because of Saul's ministry that became the church planting network that eventually crossed the Atlantic and brought the gospel to America. So how do we practically step, live, walk in this strength? There's two preconditions. The first one is this. Weakness is not a setback but a setup, a setup to receive strength. Weakness, God, I'm tired. God, I don't know if I can do it. God, I'm not sure. God, what if this happens? What if that happens? Quit using that as an excuse. Quit waiting for perfect conditions. Weakness is not a setback in your story. It's a setup for God's story through you. I'll say it this way. If dependence upon God is the objective, then weakness is an advantage. Scriptures say apart from God, we can do nothing. John John 15, excuse me. If dependence is an objective, then weakness is an advantage. So the precursor is let's embrace our weakness. Paul was weakened before he was filled, okay? Number two, we do not just believe in God, we believe God and therefore his word to us. See, there's a difference between saying I believe in God and saying, well, I believe God's word about money. There's a difference between saying, I believe in God and saying, well, I believe God's word about sex. There's a difference between saying, I believe in God and saying, I believe God's word about the church. There's a difference in saying, I believe in God and I believe God's word that nothing will happen to me as his child that will not be eternally and ultimately work for my good. There's just a difference. So those are two preconditions. And with that, we're going to take a word called step, and we're going to learn how to step in the strength of God. The first word, the first letter is S. It stands for situation. What situation do I find myself in? Ananias found himself in the situation where he was supposed to go minister to a, to a man he thought wanted to kill him or arrest him, and he wanted to go minister to a terrorist. That was the situation. You've got your situations. I've got mine. Your situation could be a difficult conversation. Your situation could be uh, a difficult diagnosis. Your situation could be somebody at work that you find it hard to love. We've all got them where we need strength, but we need God's strength. So you name your situation. The second is you got to trust a specific word in the word, a specific promise or a specific principle. This is where You're you're hearing from God and your time with God is so instrumental. This is where we become like diamond hunters or pearl divers or treasure hunters that we're seeking the word of God and asking to hear a promise or a principle that applies to our situation. Once we get it, then we're empowered to act on that word. We're on the edge of the cliff on the edge of the pool, we're little kids, do we trust mom? Do we trust dad? The word is jump, I'll catch you, jump, I'll catch you. That empowers us to jump, okay, to take that action. And then the P is we're going to, and, and let me stop and say this. So the principles and promises of God's word are greater than providences. We got to believe, because providences are confusing. Why did that happen when it happened? They're greater than popular opinion, perception, preference, personal opinion. So I've got to go with promises and principles. Some of us get to the edge, ready to jump, and fear takes over. And we say, I don't have a piece about it. Go with the word, not with the gut feeling. But the crowd saying, Don't do it, don't do it, don't. Go with the word, not with the crowd. Promises and principles. And and then the last, the P is this, then we're gonna pray that word and we're gonna praise God for what he provides. We're gonna praise God for what he provides. That is how we step daily, situationally, circumstantially, moment by moment in the strength of God. Now, here's the great news, church. Here's the incredible news. This strength has been opened up to us because Jesus first died for us. That we can now go to God and ask him for what we need. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to navigate a tabernacle, a temple with all its divisions. We don't even have to be good enough because none of us are. We go in the name of Jesus, our high priest. L- listen to how Hebrews phrases it. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, and there's that title, there's that name, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, our confession of who he is, our belief in his word. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be a human being to be tempted, to be tried, to have adversity. But he was tempted in every way as we are, yet he was without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Let us go to God with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So where we come face to face with what Jesus did to open up the throne of grace to people in need of grace because we're all going to be in need of that strength that grace brings is from the cross, which we remember and recall when we take the Lord's Supper. So when you take the Lord's Supper in just a few moments, I want you to, as you eat the bread and drink the blood of Christ, the symbolic blood of Christ, understand you're receiving Jesus by faith, his life, his lordship, his grace, and his strength. Now, if you're not yet a Christ follower, I ask you to kindly just refrain from this because this is for Christ followers. If you're ready to become a Christ follower and come to this throne of grace that his death opened up for you, look to him on the cross, realize it should have been you, It was him instead of you. It was him for you. Give him your sins. He died for them there. And give him the steering wheel of your life. And he'll come and live in you by faith. And you can follow or step with him forever and ever. But for all of us here, we focus our attention on the work, the ministry of our great high priest who performed and did what we could not do, who died the death that we deserve to die, to open up the throne of grace for us to receive his strength. So we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks. He took the bread and he broke it and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took also the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant which is poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So may we receive the body and blood of Jesus. I will pray you take communion any time after, amen, as we continue worshiping him. We pray together. Holy God, I first pray, God, there's folks here, including me, that just need your strength. Not worldly strength, gospel strength. So we just want to open our hearts in weakness to You. We want to open our hearts in dependence to You and ask for the strength that You alone provide. God, I want to pray over the Lord's Supper that before we take this, that there's an opportunity for all of us to confess sin, to repent of that sin. There's an opportunity for all of us to acknowledge our weakness, proclaim our dependence, confess anew, afresh, you're the Son of God. And there's an opportunity for all of us to receive by faith your death for us, your life for us, and your grace and strength to us. God, thank you. Thank you for the strength that you provide. We pray all these things in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Let us partake of the body and the blood of Christ.